0: welcome to this episode of Doing Good. Today we are celebrating Ali Farhana. This role model helped grow an impactful nonprofit while raising children. Ali was a co-founding leader of Texas Muslim Women's Foundation and is today its treasurer, a board member, and a hands-on volunteer in its programs. She has also involved her children with the nonprofit throughout their childhood. As she has helped each of them grow. Hi,
1: Farhana. Thank you so much for joining us today and for for volunteering and for sharing your story. It's my pleasure to be here, and uh, thank you for asking me. Absolutely. Would you mind introducing yourself to the listeners out there, just to fill them in and me as well as to about who you are? Maybe just. A little bit about your background and how you grew up. So I was born to a family of Pakistani heritage. Parents
2: moved to Scotland early in their marriage, which is where I was born. When I was two years old, they moved to the U.S. As a physician, my dad got his residency here in the U.S. in a small town in Iowa. So we were there for a couple years. Then Kansas for, was where I grew up the majority of the time then uh, got married and moved to Chicago and then ended up here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I am married. I do have two kids who are not kids. They are young adults in their 20s. They're doing really well, so that was great. I was uh, working for Boeing out of college with a computer science degree. And uh, after working about five years, that's when I had my daughter and decided to be a stay-at-home mom. So I did that for a while. And then when the kids were in school, Kindergarten preschool. I was one of those moms who always wanted to volunteer and do the, the room mom thing and go on all the field trips and help in the classrooms. So that's where my volunteering journey began. So I did that for a while. I decided I need to do something a little bit more purpose. So uh, that's my background. So yes, we're here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Currently I'm with Texas Muslim Women's Foundation on the board of directors as the treasurer. I've been with this organization since 2006. So it's one that I'm very passionate about and I love being in and that's why
1: I've been here this long. Thank you, you have quite the varied background and yet it's so familiar too being a mom and wanting to make a difference with your children and with um, while they're in school and as they're young. I mean, that's such a common, universal feeling. Exactly. I might also
2: add that uh, I do work as well, but it's more of a thing that doesn't take up my whole time. But I do run a couple businesses with my husband as well.
1: (laughs) In your spare time, of course. Of course. Well, good for you. I um, am highly impressed. And yet, with all that juggling you have going on and have had going on, you are continuing to volunteer. It sounds like you started out helping with your children's schools and then moved into other types of volunteerism. Can you tell us a little bit about that transition and change and then also how you ended up with Texas Muslim Women's Foundation? So this was about the time of Hurricane Katrina in
2: 2006. And, you know, I was just really hit by all the people who were suffering after the Flooding and everything. And we had an influx of evacuees. So we were all trying to, you know, provide supplies and things for them and that kind of thing. But, you know, I kind of felt like I, I need to be part and do more. You know, uh, we've been blessed in our own lives and, you know, you want to give back to the community. I wanted something with more purpose. And that's about the time I ran into advisors of Texas Muslim Women's Foundation, the founder and uh, some of the people in the organization. And they were doing that kind of work to where they were helping evacuees and doing some of that, um, helping uh, the underprivileged in the area and that kind of thing. And that was like exactly what I was looking for. So that's how I started with Texas Muslim Women's Foundation. Um, The founder, Dr. Hinchera, is an absolutely phenomenal lady. She is one of those people that, you know, you see what she's doing and how she is with the community, both. Uh, within the Muslim community as well as the mainstream. And she's just out there everywhere. And and Texas Muslim Women Foundation was actually founded after 9-11. And it was uh, founded to become an organization that kind of combated the stereotypes of Muslims and Muslim women. So um, that was also a very great thing to be a part of at the time. So uh, there's a lot of interfaith education that was going on and that People who never met a Muslim and only know the stereotype they see on television versus actually talking to one and understanding that, you know, Muslims are like everyone else trying to take care of their families and build their lives and do their careers like anyone else. So that was uh, another big thing about the organization I really loved. So. That's why the organization formed, but it has evolved into a social service organization where our mission is to empower, promote, support women and their families through interfaith, education, outreach, philanthropic, and social services. So I love the mission. The end of 2006, they were looking for someone to run their youth program. Because I wanted to do a lot of volunteering work, I thought this is a great fit. And my kids are at that age where I really want them to get out there and volunteer and see how they're, they're being blessed, how there are others who are not in the position that they are. So I started our youth program, the organization, Women in Texas Muslim Women's Foundation. And the main thing that we were doing is trying to go out each month and volunteer somewhere. So we started volunteering. And mostly mainstream organizations like Salvation Army, Christian Community Action, um, North Dallas Shared Ministries, the North Texas Food Bank, Texas Trees Foundation, cleaning up the parks—we were out there everywhere. That was more of a thing that you know we wanted to be showing what a Muslim was, not by words, but more by action. So we were out there trying to being trying to be ambassadors of the Muslim community, while teaching our kids that.
1: They are blessed and they need to give back and help those who are maybe less fortunate. Well, that's so exciting. What a cool, smart organization and way to live. And just the idea of being an ambassador in your daily life is something that anybody can do and should do. But y'all are truly taking action with that and, and impacting your community. You have spoken a few times already about you wanted to have more purpose. Can you expand on that a little bit and what that means to you? Yes, yeah.
2: basically, as I mentioned, uh in our own lives, we are blessed. We have everything we could you know ever want, but I wanted to be able to do something that was helpful to other people, something that you know was beyond myself and Something that would make an impact on others' lives. so that was the theory behind that, and Texas Postal Women's Foundation was doing those types of activities with their interfaith work, building those bridges and and with this youth program and with the education and outreach. Uh, the other thing is the social services, which is a huge part of our organization. and that was we came to realize that there was a real need for help with domestic violence awareness and the helping of domestic violence victims or survivors, I'm sorry, I should say. That was another area that I thought was, uh, you know, you, you feel for these women who are going through these struggles and difficult situations. And so you want to be able to help somehow. So the organization started Domestic Violence Shelter in 2012. And then we opened another one a couple of years ago again. So we have two domestic violence shelters that we're running as well as 27 transitional homes at this point. So we, we try to give these ladies a full uh, package of help. It's from the case management, the counseling, the legal services, the career skills, everything they need to get themselves back on their own feet and be self-sustainable. That that was the big thing that also has kept me with the organization, just that part of the social services work we do, helping families in need who can't maybe pay rent, uh, but also helping them with resources. So we do that as well as uh, including the case management, the counseling and so on that just families come in to the office and don't necessarily need the
1: shelter or something, but need the, the counseling or the legal help. I'm glad you got that in. (laughs) I, uh, yeah, it sounds like Texas Muslim Women's Foundation just keeps growing with every sentence you're talking about, which is amazing to me. And, and you're saying that you're in Dallas and just for someone maybe who's new to your area, how, how would you explain it in the geography that it serves? I think people would want to know just how big or how small, it doesn't matter. I mean, y'all are making such a difference with every single thing you do. I just want to paint an appropriate picture of the organization.
2: Sure, so amazingly, we have uh, served not just the DFW community, but countrywide, as well as from outside of the country. We are actually a trauma-informed, culturally specific organization. Our, Our staff speaks almost 15 different languages. Uh, So we serve a lot of people. And there's always more awareness because not everybody knows about us, but uh, over the years it's grown. But people do hear about us. And, you know, we had one client in India who needed help. And so, I mean, we've served other countries, ladies as well, but we are a Muslim women run organization primarily, but we serve all women and men.
1: Would you... Please share with us one or two stories, what I would call snapshots of your volunteering through, well, in any way with Texas Muslim Women's Foundation, because it seems to me like that is where your heart is committed. Um, If you have other volunteer roles throughout the community, feel free. But if you could please share one or two experiences and stories that were meaningful to you as a volunteer because we'd like to know more.
2: There is an, a mosque actually in downtown Dallas, That awesome program that they have where you can go in and, and take a meal or help go distribute a meal or other items, donations. They will distribute every weekend on Saturday and Sunday to the underprivileged who will come in and, and they know that program exists. They'll come in for a hot meal and maybe some uh, clothes or blankets or coats and that kind of thing. So we would go down there and volunteer. They do a really large program every year where a lot of the different organizations of DFW come together, primarily the Muslim ones. They But we do have other groups that also come in. And it's basically serving about 2,000 diff, uh, or so uh, individuals that are underprivileged in the Dallas area, they'll ship in from the shelters that are, are in Dallas and uh, have all those people come through for household items, new new items, gently used items, meals, health screen checks, the whole thing. So we would go volunteer for that. That's always a very rewarding experience. But, you know, I, when I was running the youth group, we would go and do this activity and it's something, you know, where you see a large number of underprivileged people, but you also see those smiles on the faces when you're helping them. So when we had taken the young group out there after the event, you know, one of the young ladies came to me and said, you know, coming to this uh, event really made me happy. I feel good about what we did today. So it was, you know, just really nice to be able to see that these young people are, Having an impact because we are culturally specific and we have a, a staff that speaks about almost fifteen languages and we serve a very diversified community of ladies so we are a Muslim run organization, but we serve all women and and men as well, but because of our you know the Muslim women may have dietary needs as far as being only eating halal food uh, which is the Muslim version version of kosher. Or they might be needing a place to pray five times a day. Um, they wear the headscarf and are very uh, particular about not being around men uh, without their headscarf on. So those kinds of things were not necessarily being met in a mainstream shelter, which was the reason we had the need to to start our uh, Muslim-run shelter.
1: I'm sorry. Is there a particular person or experience you had there that this Paints the picture for? Uh, yes,
2: so um, you know a lot of the women who are in these situations of domestic violence, it's the the husband is maybe controlling. They are if they do come to a point where they need to be out of the home, um, we help them. Of course, we never tell them that they need to leave. They have to be the ones to make that decision. So. When they do leave, they need to have some kind of exit plan. They don't always, though, get away with their immigration papers and their passports and all that kind of thing. And a lot of the time, the husband will use that as a controlling issue and keep those items so that when they leave, they're in a real position of uh, having a huge problem, actually, because they have no proof of anything. For instance, this uh, one lady, she had left her home and coming into our shelter was without any papers. So it's very difficult to start from that situation, but be, with our legal help and our um, counselors and everything, they're able to work those immigration issues as well as uh, handle their counseling needs. So that actually happens a lot. So It's not necessarily one person who's had that issue. That is the kind of thing
1: that we do face. And so, um, yes. Were you able to like did you get to engage with the lady you're referring to who was in this position? Or is this more a matter of the fact that you're proud to be a part of a an organization who serves these ladies or both?
2: Exactly. No, because as a board member, we are not to have contact with the clients. So uh we only hear the stories that are happening. We really do not meet the clients uh, for confidentiality reasons.
1: That's good to know. And I also appreciate how you are a board member, and yet you find additional ways with the committees that you're engaged with to be hands-on as best as you can, and obviously be able to hear about the direct service being provided. And then you know when
2: we are out in the community advocating, there's always those instances where someone will come up to you or call you and say, you know, I have this friend and she really needs help right now. Is there something that is, can you talk to her? And you know, I will talk to this young lady or woman who is needing help. And there's always an issue of, uh, for instance, I had one young lady. She had called and said, my husband is threatening me with immigration and and not being able to have my papers and that kind of thing. And he, at the same time, I'm pregnant and threatening to throw me out of the house. This lady was going through a, a, her pregnancy, but also her husband was not and, uh, doing any groceries or anything. So there was no food at home for her to eat. So, you know, it's those kinds of things to where, you know, I really am not supposed to be helping her. So, which is what I, I did in that case. is uh, Tried to help her get an appointment with our staff. Um, We do have a hotline number. So for any intake, that is what it has to be called first. So she was given the hotline number to call.
1: In case there's a listener who wants or needs to hear your hotline, would you share that number with them? Yes, of course. It's 972-880-4192. And is it available 24-7? Yes, it is. Great. And it sounded like you serve people around the country. So if someone does happen to be outside of the Dallas-Fort Worth area, they would still be able to call and it'd be all right. Yes, that is absolutely correct. Perfect. Thank you. A real quick clarification, if you don't mind. In the story you shared previously about the mosque, were you doing that with your children? Uh, yes. So when I was running the youth group,
2: both of my kids, middle school and high school, were volunteering as well. So yes, we were there with our youth group and including my children serving there. So that activity is once a year, but also as an organization, we on Martin Luther King Day for National Day of Service when President Obama started that program the day before his inauguration on, you know, the Monday before inauguration day. So back, what now, 13, 14 years ago. Anyway, uh, for Martin Luther King Day, National Day of Service, we always as an organization go and actually provide the full meal and all the, the new, like undershirts or socks or those kinds of items, coat. Excuse me, coats, blankets, that kind of thing. So we do do that every Martin Luther King Day as well at
1: of al Islam in South Dallas. You've spoken with us about your history of volunteering from serving at your children's schools to the mosque to Texas Women's Foundation, Muslim Women's Foundation. And I wonder, as a mom, you were talking about your. Children are now grown, it'll always be your children, though. Open their minds or eyes to serving others in ways that maybe other moms or dads could do for their children. And I do want to be sure that if I I can steer you in a certain direction, not everybody is or can be a board member, but if you can talk to how what you've experienced, and maybe others could too.
2: My kids have a very good sense of volunteerism. So when I was talking earlier about they were in our youth group and volunteering, now my son actually, he's graduated from uh, University of Texas at Dallas, and he is a finance guy. But um, he is actually one of the young man who started the Professionals Against Domestic Abuse that Texas Muslim Women's Foundation is running. So he and he pulled in three friends, and they're looking for more friends, actually. So, uh, But they started about a year and a half ago. So yes, yeah, he's part of that, uh, helping to start that Professionals Against Domestic Abuse in that college to 29-year-old range. And then my daughter, she's actually doing her Ph.D. in counseling psychology. So she's always helping people, <laughs> but um, she's very keen on social justice and helping those underprivileged, actually, uh, or those of the underserved communities.
1: That's beautiful. And that's so respectful of both of them. And I would love to talk with one of them. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we could interview them on the podcast sometime, but um, but you know, the, uh, what I think is beautiful about what your story has been, what I've heard so far, is you started with them as a mom when they were young, and it was because you just wanted to be involved with them as a mom, and you know, just be involved in their lives, so you started with their school, and you just, whether it was to serve their school, or maybe it was you bringing them along with you when you did the weekends at the mosque to serve others, the underserved, You, they were always involved with it in one way or the other. And they saw and they were able to experience what you experienced, at least on some level. And it sounds like those stuck with them and it helped build them to who they are today. And who knows how amazing they're going to even become tomorrow.
2: Yes, I agree. I think that's the best way for uh, parents out there to get their kids involved in helping others is to show them how it's done. It's more of a, not a talk, but an action kind
1: of thing. Yeah, it's really exciting to see just what exposure to volunteering does for a child
2: kids were young it was all four of us going out there and serving the underprivileged as a family my husband was also very involved and that mosque that serves every weekend he actually served and this is a primarily african-american mosque in south dallas but he joined their board of directors also and helped them organize because as a consultant someone whose field of work is for strategic consulting and that kind of thing management consulting he was able to help them get some things uh, lined up, including, you know, being in South Dallas, a low income neighborhood. He was helping to start seeing how to generate some more income and and get their their programs even better. So, uh, yeah, but it, we started out as always a family kind of thing and those activities where we were serving the underprivileged.
1: For someone who is just stepping into volunteering, especially during COVID, and they don't know what to do or how, they just know they want to help, how would you suggest they become engaged or just take the first steps in volunteering in their community? Back then when we started, it was just the board doing all the
2: work. I would say get out there and volunteer and put that mask on, of course, and get your vaccinations, but uh, try to do what you can. To help everybody out there who's struggling.
1: What I just put together is that you as a mom have grown your two children into mature, impactful adults. And you've done the same for the nonprofit. Oh, in a way, I guess that it has been that. And you know, we're we're a great team all working together.
2: But yes, I think uh this organization is, you know, it's something that I feel like I'll never leave just because uh, it is kind of like having that little, watching that little kid grow up. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you're right. But, uh, yeah, we've got a great team, leadership team, as far as our staff. And, and our, our founder is still very involved and uh, amazing lady. So, you know, she retired last year and we have our, our new executive director, Monica Kapil. So yeah, she's doing an excellent job as well.
1: Well, do you have any parting thoughts for us today?
2: Um, no, just it, mostly volunteering has been a really big part of my life. It's something I'm doing is making a difference in other people's lives that I can do something to help those who have struggled or who have been less fortunate. And it's not it's not something I take lightly. It's something that I've really appreciated. I feel like I'm. I'm doing something positive. So it's it's good for my own self-esteem, actually. <laughs> uh, but also, I really do feel like it's it's great for anyone to be able to give back to the community.
1: There is a great need, and there's a great need in so many communities out there of the listeners of this podcast right now. And I think it's just a matter of being inspired to action, and Farhana, you have done that for us today, and we really appreciate your time and passion and willingness to share your story with us. Thank you so much for this and for giving us just a little bit of a glimpse into your
0: life as a mom, not only to your two amazing children, but also to the Texas Muslim Women's Foundation in a a way not original but one of the early leaders of it who has remained committed and yeah, thank you for your time today
2: thank you so much i appreciate you getting these stories out there so people are aware and thank you so much for having me on here today.
0: thank you for listening to the doing good podcast follow us online at doing good tv on facebook twitter pinterest instagram
1: linkedin or youtube Together, we are celebrating those who do good.